people and places. With your host, Brad Banjore, Matt D'Andrea, and Aaron Hagar. New media for a new type of motorsport enthusiast. Well, guys, it's a new year, and we have uh, our second new year of the show, which is exciting because we've got everybody spread out. Matt's over in uh, Scottsdale. I'm here in the studio, and Aaron, of course, is snowed in somewhere up north. You know, that always happens with him. But it's a new <laughs> new edition of Shift and Steer, Racing Rides, People, and Places. Guys, hey, good to talk with you. Yeah. <laughs> you go first. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm going to apologize in advance. If we have a little bit of lag or something, it's because we have so many people calling in. But, uh, I mean, we've got a lot to talk about. I want to talk about and get into and really spend a ton of time on the auctions because this is the big Scottsdale auction week. But I thought we'd start it out with a, with a little bit of extra information, you know, the uh, Detroit Auto Show just got over, and uh, what once was the North American International Auto Show, the big news is that uh, a lot of the car companies aren't even going there anymore. Not a lot of them, but fewer every year. But there's still uh, a really good share of, uh, of of things that are debuted there. And I thought, Matt, did you see that new Shelby Mustang that they had there? <laughs> Actually, um, uh, we we talked a little bit about it on the uh, on the other shows and stuff uh, this past week as well. Um, but when I I, I, I got into uh, Arizona yesterday and uh, went by a few of the auctions, we'll get into that. But um, yeah. So they have the new Shelby GT500 on display in the Ford booth at Barrett-Jack out here. So it was cool to kind of get up on it and actually see it in person. Um, and it, it's every bit as cool as, as, as you expect it to be and what you're seeing in the photos. The front end is very aggressive. The carbon fiber wheels are badass. It has a 16-and-a-half-inch front rotor with six pistons. I believe six pistons on bottom. I think this is the largest disc, certainly on any American sports car, uh, and, and one of the largest discs on on most sports cars out there. I'm, I'm not sure where we're getting sixteen and a half these days, other than the the Mustang. But um, it, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool car for sure. And seven hundred horsepower. From a blown 5.2 liter V8. I mean, 700 plus horsepower. That's, I mean, everything's getting lots of horsepower. Have you seen the car, Aaron? Yeah, I I totally liked the post that Matt did. That thing sounds amazing. (laughs) It does. It does. It sounds really cool. But the one thing that I saw from Detroit, and I don't know if you guys saw it, but man, you know, the, uh, uh, Grill master, and I'm not talking about uh, going out in your backyard. What is going on with these grills on some of these cars? The cars and the trucks are getting just like almost too much. Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that because uh, because of fuel efficiency and things like that. We've got these cars with these giant grills, but you get up on them, and most of them are blocked. Most of them are blocked up. But they're and for they the electronics. They're reflectors. The radiator. Yeah, it's just it's 
it's, it's an interesting kind of uh, design idea that's going on over there. Um, some of them are okay. Some of them are a little silly. Lexus um, was the first <laughs> one that we saw you know, kind of coming out with this giant grill. Then that GM truck came out recently where it was like, oh, my God, what did they do there? But have you seen the concepts coming from BMW, some of those, like, crazy grills on those? Yeah, but not even just concepts. So the BMW X7 SUV that was here at the L.A. Auto Show, uh, everybody talks about how the grill was so giant and it's sort of the kidney style grill, but it's bigger and it kind of leans back at the top. Yes, um, exactly. After after the Detroit Auto Show, um, BMW announced that that's the new style for the 7 Series as well. So the 7 Series BMW Ugh. has this giant kind of grill on it like the X7 does. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, you know, everything has a tendency to come out and then kind of grow on you. I don't know if it's going to grill on me, though. You know? It's, yeah, like, the, uh, it's like, does it grow on you like the bangle butt design uh, 7 Series trunk lid? A very flat kind of. Yeah, you know. On the, uh, I remember when that came out, <laughs> and it was like such a change. And I had a PR guy ask me. I was at the LA Auto Show, and he goes, hey, what do you think of the new 7 Series? And I went, I'm hoping it grows on me, you know, just at the time. It, But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But I think that was the one trend that we're seeing is that those giant grills, even that Shelby that we were talking about has that huge mouth, which when you look back, the very first performance car that I ever remember seeing, that was that Mitsubishi. Um, remember when their rally car kind of had that big mouth on it? And yeah. it was kind of like, wow, what happened there? But it, that grew on me. But, um yeah. These are almost like a Lincoln. A Lincoln's always had that that big that big nose. It doesn't look like a mouse, though. I think the difference between the BMW and 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 the other car you're talking about is is the BMW has a big nose. The mouth is that lower part of the grill. The Mustang has a mouth, but the BMW has a giant nose, right? <laughs> well, maybe maybe these designers are watching a lot of Predator movies and video games, and it's influencing their 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 no, designs. No, it's a nose. <clears throat> it's a nose. <laughs> I'm so, telling you, I'm looking at a photo of it right now, and it's got a big lower grill with those nice big air scoops on the side. Yeah. That's the mouth. But 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 that that that's a, a Jimmy Durante nose or something, you know. <laughs> You're dating yourself. Big old what? So. Hey, <laughs> okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna change subject to uh, one of uh, Matt's favorite things in the world, Tesla. And uh, did you hear what Tesla. Tes- did you hear what Tesla did this week, Matt? I I, I I'm gonna take a shot in the dark here, and, and I'm gonna take a guess. I don't know if we're reading the same news, but. The uh, the big uh, uh, like hacker conference. This is a legal hacker conference where people submit things to be hacked for prizes, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And Tesla submitted a Model Three to see if it could be hacked by people. Right. And I don't know if that's what you're talking about, but that's what I read. Well, there's actually several bits of information about Tesla. That wasn't where I was going, but uh, go ahead, continue with that line. Right. So- so I, I think the, the prices range from like two hundred and fifty thousand or something to three hundred fifty or up to three hundred fifty thousand bucks. And so here's the question: It's like, are, where are we with technology? Do we think any technology is non-hackable? It kind of seems like we're 
you know, every time I uh, scroll through some news, some or some other article about, you know, some website that got hacked and everybody's information got stolen. And uh, my opinion uh, is that nothing is is not hackable. I mean, nothing is not hackable. Right. I read an article about a government installation that was totally dry. I forget the technical term for it. You might know it, but where it wasn't on the web. It didn't have phone lines. I mean, it was completely, and it still got hacked because somebody was able to get in, they think, with some kind of USB that, that went to here or there. But Everything is hackable. Everything can be, and these cars, come on. These car companies don't have what the government has to to refrain from it. It may not happen the week it comes out, but at some point it's going to get hacked. You know, it's just a matter of time. It's out there in the world. It's yeah. going to get hacked. Yeah, so so, so this yeah. article, I'm looking at an article in, in Forbes, and it says no one's done it yet as of four days ago, but there's a $900,000 offer from Tesla for anyone who can hack the Model 3. Yeah, somebody's gonna hack it. I mean, there's yeah. there's no way you'll read about you'll read about things, websites, institutions, and stuff. They're like, we've never been hacked. Yeah, because nobody's tried. It's like if yeah. somebody tries, you know, all you need is the right person or a group of people to try, and they'll get done. There's just so many things out there that not many things are on the list. Uh, and it may I, it may just be they're I, not interested I, I, in you. I, I, that's why you're not hacked. If they're interested in you, yeah, you're going to be hacked. Because you're boring. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you haven't been hacked because you're boring. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the other thing that they that came out this week was that uh, Tesla is laying off three thousand people, and you know they had a layoff not that long ago, and that falls on top of market news about that. Um, that, that they're starting to fall behind. Why? Because now the big automakers around the world are deciding to go head-to-head with them. They had that blank canvas for a while. They had that no-man's zone. And now, all of a sudden, it's uh, I think it's catching up with them. Well, they've got open patents, too, right? The, 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 all that stuff, too. So they're kind of inviting everybody else to join in. I, I don't know how much that'll affect their technology, I think, because Everybody uses their technology, right? Aaron, that's a great a great note because when that when they announced this this week, I thought to myself, how egotistical it was um, of him to go, "Hey, I'm putting my patents; they're open out there. Why would you do that?" And now everybody's using them to go against him, and uh, you know, it's it, you can do that, you can be altruistic, but in business, it's a little hard to be altruistic, you know. Yeah, it, it'll be it'll be interesting. Certainly, from the all the auto shows that we've seen, twenty twenty, the model year twenty twenty is going to be pretty big for for electrification. So that could mean you know toward the end of nineteen, you know we've already had the Jaguar I Pace. You're going to see BMWs, Audis, Cadillac, you know, so many yeah, cars. everybody, gonna, yeah, Cadillac. Now, um, now, Matt, you're at Bear Jackson. Ford. You had said that the the Mustang was there. Have you seen the the actual in the flesh uh, Toyota Supra yet? There. Yes, that was next on the list as well. But, but real quick, before I get to that, Ford just made a big announcement saying that their trucks are going to go uh, uh, electric as well. Oh, I didn't and see that. That just makes sense. 
Yeah, so um, there's going to be some version of F-150 that will be electric and or hybrid. And I, I'm a fan of this, though. After seeing, like, the Rivian uh, truck at uh, LAM yeah. show, we talked about that. Yeah. Um, it, you know, by eliminating the gas engine on, on a pure electric vehicle, you have much more room and storage uh, to go, you know, you can kind of get rid of the drivetrain and transmission and you know, that Rivian truck had storage going like completely through the truck. Um, you know, of course, all the batteries are, are underneath sort of in the floorboard. But if you take into effect the amount of torque and fuel efficiency from a from a work truck standpoint, and you have certain routes that you do every day, and, you know, you're, you know it would make a lot of sense to do. I, I would imagine that they would want to start with, you know, fleet trucks, like, you know, whatever companies that buy 35, 40, or 100, you know, F-150s, and they use them each day, and they all go back home to their home base, and the people drive their regular cars home, like, all those trucks can be charged all night, and then they can do their their routes during the day. It seems interesting to me. Yeah, not uh, to mention that finally, that finally that uh, jump seat that, you know, when you don't have a full crew cab and you just have that jump seat, well, now they can make it a little yeah. bit bigger so that you're not crunched back yeah. there. <laughs> I mean, now, of course, none of us really need extra leg room, but there are people that do, like <laughs> producer Rick. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so new, new Toyota Supra. Tell uh, us about it. Here at Bear Jackson, um, they are, uh, Ferris Jackson's always been very good about their, you know, uh, their charity car. They've worked with all the manufacturers, Chevy, Ford, now, or, I guess, Toyota. Um, and they get these uh, the big charity cars. You can often get VIN number one or something cool like that, or two or three or five or whatever. Yeah, like, aren't they and, selling uh, VIN number one of uh, one of the Mustangs there tomorrow, aren't they? Yeah, I think they're selling the Shelby. I don't know if it's VIN one, but they're definitely getting, it probably is, um, uh, and, uh, you know, it's kind of a cool deal. I'm curious to see where that goes. Um, and I'm pretty sure that Barrett Jackson's rules are, you know, they, they don't take, they don't take a fee on the thing. They're there. They do the whole charity thing. And, and I guess their contribution basically is the marketing and the venue and not taking a fee, which is, which is fair. I yeah. Think a fair, uh, uh, a gig. So, um, yeah, so we saw the Toyota Supra and <laughs> it's, Here's, it, I would say it looks a little cooler in person than I thought it would. Um, there were some some aspects of it that I that I certainly liked. Some that were a little bit odd. Like there's a, a side vent treatment behind the rear door on the quarter panel. Um, kind of a cool kind of vent treatment there. And uh, from what I can tell, it's not functional. So I didn't know we were still doing that. I still didn't, you know, like. As big as a Mustang guy as I am, how many, how many, you know, new edge Mustangs and SN25 body style Mustangs do we have these, these scoops on the doors, you know, behind the doors where they, they weren't functional at all? I'm not sure why we're still doing that in the world of where aero is so important. The new GT500 has so much, uh, it, you know, uh, active aero. I, I don't mean active in the sense that it moves. I just mean that it's, it's functional aero. Uh, why does the super have fake scoops on the side? That was kind of weird, but yeah, it doesn't um, make sense. It's kind of cool it? looking. I, I, I think I like the back of it more than I like the front of it. Yeah, um, I yeah. don't. I, I don't know that it helped that Toyota has it on display with the previous Supra. 
Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of odd. Yeah. You know, they have the news super, like, up on, like, a stand, but it's, like, tilted, so it's kind of, like, up in the air and tilted, but then on the ground next to it, like, a white, um, what is it, MK4? Uh, and, uh... And yeah, sure, that looks a little dated, and certainly, like, one of the things, like, that really dates cars for some reason are headlights. When you start looking at the headlights of the cars, it it really kind of dates cars. Like, you can go to any one of these auctions and walk up to, like, the Bugatti EV, whatever, 12 or 16, or whatever the hell it is, and you're like, hey, the car's super futuristic, but why does it got the, the headlights out of a... Out of a of, of a Buick Regal, it's got you know? bulbs it's, in it. <laughs> Why does it have bulbs? You know, it's, it's but yeah, and especially if they're like yellow, square like there's just you know there's like a square or rectangular yes. headlight that is literally just pulled off a shelf someplace, and they built these crazy bodies around them. So anyway, the Supra kind of drops the ball a little bit. The the older one on the headlights making it feel a little dated when it's next to the new one, but the old Supra was such a beautiful car. Um, this new one's going to be interesting. We, we, we know that it was built, uh, alongside, uh, the teams at BMW and the engine in the super is the BMW inline six turbocharged engine with 335 horsepower. Now I love the idea that it's turbo because old super guys with the turbos, you could do a lot with them and there's a lot of BMW tuning out there. So, yeah, maybe we can look at bigger turbos, and maybe we can just tune them and get another 40, 50 horsepower out of them without swapping the turbos. I'm sure there's a lot of cool hop-up stuff you can do on it. I don't think it's a hit in regard to look, because I think every single, like, social media post that is out there has been like, eh, what do you think? Is it good? Is it bad? Whereas, actually, something like the GT500, for example, that did come out, everyone's like, it's pretty cool. You know, there's there's some people like, yeah, the mouth is too big or the grill's too big and why they black out the front bumper or whatever. But for the most part, it's it's kind of a home run. Like the 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 Dodge Demon was like, Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Like we we, we like it. It's kind of a home run, you know. Um I I we're not getting that reaction with the Supra. So it's going to come down to the numbers. How does it perform? Can the Supra fall into the world of something like the Nissan GTR? We all love the GTR, but mostly we love it because of what it represents. It's just an animal of a car. But nobody would ever like walk up on a GTR and go, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. We see the beauty of that car because we understand what it represents. And, and the Supra could sort of fall into that category. It, 50-50 weight ratio, which is kind of cool. There will not be, from what I understand, both the GT500 and the Supra will not be available with a manual transmission. It both will have some sort of paddle-shifting transmission. Um, it's going to be interesting because people keep saying the Shelby is a 7-speed paddle-shifted automatic, but we know that that 7-speed is built by Tremec. So it could be more like a dual-clutch 7-speed manual. And I, I'm not sure I would call it an automatic per se. And, and um, when you say automatic, I think torque converter, right? Don't you guys think torque? Well, converter yeah, torque converter. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, so what you're saying in essence is, if uh, that Supra had the nose of the uh, new GT500, we'd have a hit because you like the ass. <laughs> we, but, we, yeah. we might have a hit. 
I think the hood of the GT500 is uh, bigger than the entire Ford or the Toyota Supra. Uh, exactly. I, I was reading some. I was reading some details about it. How uh, when they were developing the the Toyota, they were struggling to get a, a perfect fifty fifty weight ratio, and they were very close. They were like fifty nine percent or fifty one or fifty point something percent in the front. And uh, and the engineers moved the engine back just four millimeters, and that four millimeters hit it right on the nose, the fifty-fifty ratio. So th- there is a lot of thought into the performance of this car. Um, so it's going to be interesting to drive the the Supra. Um, I I for one would love to to try it out. Uh, it sounds I like want to talk there. Always have liked the Supra. I liked it from the beginning, and it would be. Uh... A really cool car to test and and check out, and you know it's going to be interesting. You know, it's it's kind of strange to see the the super also in NASCAR. You know, it's uh, it seems mm-hmm. like two totally uh, directly opposed worlds, but it the car looks bitching in the in the NASCAR uh, you know colors, and and you know they showed it at Detroit, and it just it looked awesome. It looked really cool. So uh, here's my. Here's my biggest concern with the car is without, I, I mean, I saw it in person, but without touching it, without driving it, without even opening a door and sitting in it, is this car starts at $49,000 and change. The first 1,500 launch edition cars are like 57000 bucks. I'm fine with this dollar amount. My, my concern is every time I see the Supra, I think of the Nissan 370Z and I think of the Scion FRS, right? Or whatever they're yeah. calling it now, the Toyota 86 or something. And both of those cars are, I like those cars for what they are, but those cars are built for a particular price point. You yes. get in the Scion and you, you realize there's a lot of plastic. There's just not a lot of money put into that car as far as the luxury items on the interior, because it needs to be a fairly inexpensive car. And the 370Z, although that's a cool car, you can load it up to 40-something thousand bucks with, with, with all of the options, but there's still something about that car where, you know, you close the doors and it feels a little bit like it's lacking some of the, you know, some bending material and things like that. Now, I get it. That's what those cars are supposed to be. They're made to be lightweight. They're made to be quick. But when you start spending fifty thousand, fifty two, fifty five thousand dollars on you're expecting on a more. Car, like, you want more of that. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I want, I want that door to close with confidence, and I want that leather to be pretty nice, and you know, and you want some cool with contrast stitching and leather covered dash, and you know, you want some things in there that uh, that show the the price difference of that car. You want it to feel good and solid. You know, um, there's, it's interesting because no doubt the BMW Z4, which is the, the you know, the sister car of the, of the Supra, you're going to get in that car and there's a certain amount of thump when you close that door and a certain amount of tension on opening the door handle and all the things you expect from a BMW being a, a luxury car, um, and and I'm sure the BMW version of the car is going to be heavier, and for those reasons, you know. So it'll be interesting to see when you get into Supra, is it going to feel like you're getting into a quality car? Yeah, you you want it to feel like the money you spent. I, I got gotcha. you. And you know, now now Aaron, did you notice all I did was ask him how it looked? 
<laughs> I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right now, and I, I got to tell you, you know, uh, we were talking about the nose on on these cars, and that that the new Z4 or Z4 has that big nose, which I think on, on a low profile grill and a big mouth, it actually doesn't look bad. And and their new eight series and seven series. It looks fantastic, but I think the body line looks so much better on the BMW than it does on on that uh, on that Toyota Supra. I'm, I'm just I'm not loving it. It's it's awkward to me, you know. Well, we'll, we'll have to see Shelby. how it looks. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. interesting. Hey, now I want to ask you guys: Have you seen that ad that's been running the Chevrolet ad where they've got a big warehouse and they've got all these cars covered up and and and, and uh, you know, they've got logos on them, like Ford logo, the Honda logo, the Toyota logo. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Where they and, pull and them off and it's a Chevy underneath? Actual. Yeah. Yeah. Now, they just pulled that ad uh, that claimed better reliability than Ford, Honda, and Toyota. I guess there was some uh, pullback and asking them where they got the facts. So their official response was they decided to put their money into different marketing. You know, an ad that only been out a week. I mean, but uh, that that I just found that kind of interesting. Um, one last thing before we get into the auctions in Scottsdale. Something that I saw that I just love the looks of this car. I don't know if you saw it, but I know you guys both dig it. Have you seen that Porsche 718 Cayman GT4, the rally car? Oh, yeah. With the, I don't think I have seen it. Oh, my God. Well, they just confirmed today that they're actually going to put it into production and that the consumer can buy it. It has those four enormous, um, you know, lights across the front, like, you know, you just remember of the rally cars having. It's got the giant roof-mounted scoop. And um, not only that, it has a 3.8-liter flat six that puts out 420 horsepower. And um, Oh, yeah. It's, I'm looking at it. It's good. Oh, it's awesome. And uh, I guess they're going to make it available for guys that want to go, you know, racing and uh, go out and buy one of those. And I just yeah, think it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, GT4 Club Sport Rally Car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for the RGT class. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just <laughs> it's cool. It, it's really cool. It's really cool. And I, I just thought it was awesome. But, uh, hey, before we go into the auctions, let me tell you something. Everybody has a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, you know, pick up some milk. Well, here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It's just may be the most rewarding thing you do today. And that extra money in your pocket, you could put towards a car at the auctions. And, um, you know, Matt, you're the only one who's over there. Uh, I This is the first Barrett-Jackson I've missed in almost over 25 years. I, I was trying to calculate it, and I don't know. but um, So I was pretty bummed, and I always enjoy going over to Gooding and RM and you know, Russo and Steel, all the ones that are going on. Um, and uh, I thought I'd start this off. I know you're over there, but I went in and looked at the results from Wednesday, which I thought was always kind of an indicator because, you know, Barrett-Jackson being that it 
it's almost a week now, and uh, the auction starts on Tuesday. It used to be, do you guys remember how it used to be that it was like, you know, the cars were kind of a little bit less caliber on Tuesday and Wednesday? You'd kind of go, what, man, a pacer? Why is that going across the Barrett-Jackson? And and the prices were like sub-20,000. I mean, do you guys remember that? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, on Wednesday, here was the top ten. They had two cars that uh, tied for top ten. One was, now this is what's funny, a 72 K5 Blazer. This thing looked bone stock, had dog dish hubcaps, but it was really clean. $71,500, and it was tied with a Bentley GT, an 05 that went for $71,500. Then you had a 65 327 Corvette. It was a really nice white and blue 350 horse, and it went for 74.8. Right behind that was a 71 wow. Bronco at 77,000. Full customized. It had a full cage and everything. And um, now, Matt, number, uh, excuse me, number seven was a 70 Boss 302 race car, A-spec class for 78000 This was a full-on, it was a real Boss 302 car, but it was, a, um, it was a full race car. You couldn't drive it on the street. But Matt, this one, number six, a 2011 GT350R Ford Shelby. You familiar with that car? What, what year? A 2011 GT350R Ford Shelby. They said it was made by Shelby. I, I watched it go across the block, and at first I oh, wow, a GT350, you know, 350R. And then I realized, wait a minute, this isn't one of the new ones. This is a 2011. And I, I guess Shelby made them, and it was just kind of funky looking. Some of the body panels on it and the grill and everything like that. I mean, have you ever seen one of those? Because I hadn't. Oh, well, it's the white one with the blue stripes. Right? Yes, exactly, yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I know the car that you're talking about. Um, uh, yes, I didn't know how many they made, They, uh, but I'm interesting. Did it, did it sell? $82,500 brought it in at 6 on Wednesday, number 6 in the top sellers. Wow, I want to say wow. Dad had one of those. Was it 350 or 500 well, it's a 350, but it's not an old one. It's a newer body style, and it. it no, no, right, right. I think I think Dad had the 2011 GT 500. Really? Yeah, and and I remember because when he talked to to I think Lee Iacocca back then, uh, Lee was saying, "Oh, you you know you can't run that car over 600 and something horsepower because the rear seat will blow," and you know, and, and they were really still in their early stage of development. And I think it was white with blue stripes. And I think he sold it for like forty grand, and it still is in the it still is in Marin. I think that was a two thousand. Yeah. I'm looking at it; and it looks just like that. Huh? Yeah, it was one that uh, I had. I think what you're, I think what you're talking about is a different car, and you would have been talking about the supercharged GT500. This Shelby, yeah. uh, that uh, this is the one that this is a, a, a post title package kind of deal. Like this is Shelby America and. And Vegas built the car. That's what I figured. Oh, yeah, okay. no, it's one of those where yeah. it didn't come from Ford this way. It went to, you know, it's it's like one of their after builds. Yeah, but uh, but hey, got eighty two thousand five hundred bucks. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, it looks very strange. It's got like a real it, strange kitted kind of look. Exactly. There you go. It looks yeah. like an aftermarket kit, like somebody. But 
like I said, it got 82,500. Somebody loved it. Uh, Number five was a 57 Chevy 210. And uh, this one had a Morrison chassis. It had, I mean, it was, you know, not my style, but it was done very well, built well. 88,000 bucks, showing that those Tri-5s are still uh, strong. And number four on Wednesday was a 7911T, just real bone stock, white. Uh, Matt, what do you think that went for? Porsche 911T, a 70. Ooh, uh, I don't know. 911T should be doing pretty well. Yeah, and it's number four for the day. Did you? Uh, 250. Well, you're way Ooh, I, I'd, say, <laughs> I'd say 150. Okay. Now, now, remember, guys, number five was 88000 and we're only at number four. But anyways, it was $92,400. And now, 92400 Oh, wow. Remember when you could buy those cars for like fifteen, twenty thousand 20000 every day of the week? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, number three... Now, this is where Barrett Jackson does it well. You get two, three guys that just, hey, man, I'm going to have another drink. Oh, look at that. Let's get it up there. You know, this was a 48 Chevy pickup. Um, and I, I got to say it was a poor street rod pickup because it, you know, had nice paint on it, but it had the cheapest cast aluminum wheels you could buy. It had, it was one of those where when you look at it from the side, they pulled the seats out of some, you know, 80s Buick, and they're sticking up, you know, and it was just, and I was like, you've got to be kidding. As I watched the bidding keep climbing and climbing, I was like, no way. And $99,000. Some guy is going to get home and go, hey, what do you think of my 48 Chevy pickup? And they're going to go, well, you know, change the seats, change the wheels, suspension. You know, I don't even know what the motor was or anything, but I was really surprised at that one. Number two of the day was a 70 Chevelle SS 454, but it was an LS6 car. And it was a convertible LS6 car, which is even rarer, and it went for $110,000. What's really surprising about that, you guys, is that not 10 years ago, those cars were above 250000 and um Yeah. They, they they went lower than this, so they're on their way back up. Because uh, two years ago, that car was an eighty thousand dollar car, but they're on their way back up. Those you know, but it it also shows that the that the modified cars you know that you can actually get in and drive and enjoy with some modern suspension stuff. They they they're they're holding their money against the the factory restored muscle cars, and number one of the day at one hundred and eleven thousand was a sixty nine Dodge Charger RT four forty car, uh, really nice looking blue with a white vinyl roof, rally wheels, and um, you know all of this. What what we're getting to is that we've all been to Barrett Jackson when. Um, you know, uh, you know, I've been when it was just two or three days, but uh, it's been growing and it's been getting longer. But now we're seeing the caliber of the cars. And Matt, with you being there, I mean, last night uh, there were it looked like a Saturday, didn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. It was full yesterday, uh, or Thursday, or Thursday when I was at the event. 
um, it was pretty full. So uh, I'm excited to get back over there on Friday. And, uh, but, I mean, even the prices were, were up there. I mean, it was full, it was packed, and the prices were pulling incredible money. I mean, it was a little schizophrenic. I mean, you'd see one car come across and go for hardly anything, but then you'd see the good stuff was really pulling good money, wasn't it? Yeah, they were. I, I talked to um, a couple, uh, a guy and his wife that built a Bronco. It's a, like a like a light blue. They did a nice job, Coyote engine in it. And um, the woman was telling me that she and her daughter like mixed paint samples like four, five, six times to get the right hue. And they kind of did it as like a project for them to do together, um, which I love that story. And uh, they were just around their car and nervous about it and they're like, I don't know, some of these Broncos aren't are moving that well and 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 uh and I was like, Well what are you looking to get? And no, they didn't really tell me but they were they at one point they sort of indicated that they were into the car, into the truck for about ninety grand. Um and uh, I think they were just hoping to get their money out of it. Um and uh it actually did very well. I think it sold for like a hundred and forty thousand dollars. Well good for them. Oh wow. Uh, so Mm. Yeah, so that worked out really great, and um, you know when I when I came out here uh, Thursday, uh, I swung by both Gooding and RM auction to see their previews. I want to swing by and see the cars before they started moving them, and um, uh, very pretty similar, um, sort of typical of Gooding and RM. There's there's always a, a couple of flagship cars, but um, they often share, you know. Uh, similar cars, like both of them will have a gold ring, and both of them had a 288 GTO Ferrari. Um, uh, some, some pretty interesting cars, but uh, the the one thing uh, that I always notice is that um, Gooding sticks to very high end European and rarity. Not that RM doesn't, but RM will throw in some oddities. You know, RM will have the 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 Jeeps and the the hot rods and you know the albeit rare and unique, but they don't. You, you never see that kind of stuff at Gooding. You don't see a hot rod sitting in you're, there. You're, you know, you're you're right. No hot rod, but Gooding definitely had. They had uh, they had a couple of cool Land Cruisers. They had a. Uh, Pontiac GTOs. They had a '67 Camaro over there that I saw. Um, that as long as they're the rarest '67 Camaro you're ever going to find, right? Yeah, or, or just a very nicely done one. It wasn't anything, you know. It wasn't like Yenko or right. Mickey or anything like that. But um, uh, and I, I, I believe RM auctions are Thursday, Friday, and Gooding is Friday, Saturday. So I don't really have much. Yet, as we recorded this, an Apple. Yeah, I, I actually looked it up. Uh, Gooding is Friday and Saturday this year, and RM is Thursday and Friday. So uh, we're right. Yeah. So well, it, I can tell you that I went to Gooding and I saw a beautiful Ferrari two eighty eight GTO. This thing was just—I don't know if it was restored or just well maintained—but done to the nine. Looking under it, it was fantastic. And then I went to RM. They had a 288 GTL. Great. Not as good as the one at, at Gooding, but still good. And the one at RM, as we recorded, this, sold for $3.36 million for a 288 Ooh. GTL. Really? So, uh, 
That's big money. Jesus. I mean, those have always pulled, but not that kind of money. (laughs) We know that our buddy Ken Lingfeld was like the hackiest guy in the world right now because he bought him years ago. He's got a gorgeous 288 uh, GTO. And um, and I believe he has the the Ferrari F12 GDI. Okay. And... A, two seven, a 2017 TDI DF, um, this car was cool looking, man. I mean, just like silver and black and carbon fiber and all that stuff. Uh, I know Ken's is red because all of his are red, but these are high-dollar cars when they were coming out. And yeah. like, if you're one of those special guys that gets on the list, I don't know if they are five, six hundred thousand, six hundred thousand. Well, 2017, that just sold, assuming like you had to have it for two years and you could sell it. One million dollars. One million yeah, thousand. Uh, uh, I was just going to say that the, the F12 PDF is, is a million dollar car right now. I wonder if that was my friend Rob Roscoff. Uh, he had his for sale at San Francisco Ferrari for I think one point one four seventy nine or something. But it's like one point one for sale. I wonder if they took it to auction because his is that beautiful platinum silver. It almost looks bare metal, and it's got like that blood red interior, but it's only the seats and the side panels. Just a few trimmings, and it is gorgeous. It's got hardly any miles on it, and uh, it's a gorgeous car. But they did make the F12 TDF. They did make a bare aluminum one, which is really rare, and I think those are going for a million five. There was a bare aluminum one at Russo and Steel Newport when I was there, and um, at the auction down there, and you know it was a no sale, but they're just bitching cars. I mean, but you're right, Matt. They were they were high dollar when they came out, but if you can buy a car and you make money on it. La Ferrari, um, you uh, you can actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's the best thing to do. Um, now, Matt, did you see that? You know, you know, here I'm gonna I'm gonna stick my foot in my mouth because um, I said at Gooding you don't usually see hot rods or anything, but they had a forty eight the the forty eight Spurgeon Giovanni Roadster there, which is an old Bonneville SCTA car. Did you see that there? I did. I didn't get a chance to, to get up on the car. Um, we, we went by it, but uh, uh, some people were around it and talking, so I didn't even get pictures or anything on it. And, and um, I mean, the, uh, then we had to move to the next one. So I, I don't have much info on it. But, well, the um, thing about but, it but is, cool I mean, I know the car, and I'd seen it over the years. It was a uh, you know, Class A Roadster, and it was the champion in '48. It's been on the cover of Hot Rod magazine, and and everything like that, um, but it's very basic. I mean, it's like a lot of the hot rods back then. You know, it was made from a 25 Chevy Roadster. Um, it was, you know, a four-cylinder Chevy motor in it, and, yeah, it set all kinds of class records and stuff like that, but it's not something you can go club racing in. It's basically a trophy that you're going to put in display, um, maybe take to some shows, and they had estimate. Their estimate on it was um, two fifty to three fifty. I don't, I don't think it's there. Um, I don't think that that caliber of a of a hot rod is really there. What do you guys think? Ouch! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it seems a little high. But, yeah, uh, but you never know. I mean, uh, there could be more to the yeah. story that that. Uh, that we still don't know. I, I wish I had got a chance to get on it and um, and read up more about it. But uh, um, 
If it was that, if it was that rare and noteworthy, Bruce Meyer would already have it in his building. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, do we it, lose the connection there, guys? <laughs> what? No, I, I said there was such a lull. I said, did we lose the connection there, guys? No, oh, no, it's the same thing because Matt and I are both calling in. It's it, like you said, it mutes the other person. And, and yeah, but but no, it's so I think it's we're a, being conservative. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's a cool little car. It. It has tons of records. It was, you know, it was part of the start of hot riding and stuff. But I'm thinking maybe 150 to 200 thousand, not 250 to 350. But we'll have to see because really, what it comes down to is what somebody will pay. Um, Matt, did you happen to see that uh, amongst all of the 60s Maseratis and the 50s era Ferraris that were there? Um, did you I, did you see this? What? I, I was going to say I I don't know. I didn't get a chance to watch much of the auction stuff, um, but the 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 car that seems that everybody's asking about already on social media, um, R M Sotheby's had a vector. Actually, they had two vectors. A blue one. Had, yeah. They had the, I think it was a purple prototype Roadster. And then they had like the teal uh, uh, WX3 prototype uh, uh, Vector. Um, certainly, like, these are like the king of Radwood, right? These are, oh. you know, <laughs> I never even thought about it that way, but you're absolutely and, right. <laughs> Um, so the Roadster prototype, which I saw, I, I don't love it as much because it's not recognizable as, as much as, as, as the regular one. The yeah. But the Roadster sold for $500,000 and the very cool, uh, it, you know, a teal um, vector prototype sold for 615500 Now, that's an interesting number because the estimate was four fifty to five fifty. And and a lot of times these cars fall within the estimate with the fee involved. Yes. Right. So to for this to go six fifteen on a four fifty to five fifty estimate, some people really wanted this vector. And uh and it's interesting to see that these things are moving as well. And uh a little fun side note, you know who else has a vector? Our buddy Ken Lingenfelter. No way. <laughs> and and another side note is that Boyd and I built all the wheels for those things. We we used to go oh, over there. Yeah. yeah, we used to go over there and we built wheels for them. And it and I remember seeing them back in the day being built. And it was um, right here in Southern California. And they, I mean, they've always been. I, you know what? They they look very futuristic even today. They've got those angular lines and you know, yeah, kind of like yeah. a B1 bomber or something. You know. Uh, yeah, they're, they're actually nice. They're actually nice looking. They're, they're not bad looking. Hey, hey, Matt, too. Uh, uh, real quick, do me a favor. Uh, keep an eye on uh, on on Dad's GT500 because it's up again at at Barrett Jackson. Uh, I think this is the third time it's been up. You know, he sold that thing. I mean, Brad can tell the story. He was there, but he sold that thing for quarter of a million dollars back then, and I think it's seen like a hundred and something thousand. I'm curious if it's going to jump down to what they're going for now, which is only like 90 to 100 grand. 
It well, when we sold it, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was 2005, 2006, something like that. And he yeah. wanted to sell it, and we called and we put together the whole thing because uh, Mikey and I were selling six of our cars, so we put that whole thing together and told your dad to do a guitar, and then he goes, how about I throw in a case of tequila, Um, and uh, we made a big show of it, and it went nuts, and that car went for a quarter of a million bucks, and everybody was surprised, and the guy who bought it was actually a guy I knew from Nebraska. He was a big uh, Shelby, you know, he he bought and sold all the, you know, GT500s and everything, and... um, he would actually drive that around town. Everybody I knew in Nebraska would go, oh, yeah, man, he drives that. It's like his everyday car, you know. And and um, that thing drives crazy. It's got a, it's got like a, a real. Dad got that motor from the. I was a, a crate motor, not a crate motor. It was still in the crate, and it was an original motor from a GT five hundred from a uh, GT forty. And the thing, even detuned, is like a it was loud it's as so hell. Hard to <laughs> yeah. It was so <laughs> loud. This is the 67 GT500, and it sold in 2017 for 100. It's not the red one sold for 110,000. Yeah, 110,000 yeah, about yeah. three or four years ago. Yeah, and because uh, because the guy who bought it, he brought it back, and he and he resold it again. Lost lost money on it. Now we're curious to see if it's if it's uh, below 100 or under. Because you know, Sammy's not there anymore. The, okay. gu- the guitar's not there anymore. The Bear Jack I might website be able to buy it soon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it says in twenty seventeen in twenty seventeen it sold for a hundred and ten thousand. Yes. Oh yeah. But it originally sold ago. Yeah. Um, so the guy bought it for two fifty and then it sold for one you said one fifteen, Matt? One ten. Oh one ten, okay. But but that happens all the time. We all know that. I mean, hell, I sold that that concept uh, Sunfire that I built for GM there the same year, and it was a wide body Sunfire with a stock four cylinder. It had nice wheels and tires, some carbon fiber on it and stuff. But two guys had to have it, and it sold for a hundred and twelve thousand dollars. And it came back last year, or no, excuse me, two years ago, and went across the block at twenty two. You know, so it's like, I mean, it's like, ouch, you know, so, but that happens all the time, you know, it's, um, uh, the Black Rose Mustang that I built has gone across a couple times and it, you know, uh, it's all in the presentation and, you know, I think a lot of guys, uh, hopefully they understand that they're going to get a car that they want, buy and drive and, and, uh, but not everybody's going to want it when they go to sell it, um, Hey, yeah. Back to our go for forty grand. Buy it, and I'll give you the money. Okay? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> when does it go across? Does anybody know? Has anybody looked it up? I, so I think. I think the Shelby goes at the end of the night, Friday night, and unfortunately, as you guys are listening to this, that would have been days ago. But um, uh, I believe the. Your dad's car is lot one one four seven. Obviously, it's a no reserve car, and there's only uh, one more car, I think, or, or maybe a few more cars after. I got to find out what time, but it's going to go Friday. 
So by so by the time this is airing, what Matt's saying is that um, Matt will be saying to Aaron, "You told me to buy it if it was a good price, <laughs> and I thought sixty five thousand was a good price. What do you mean you're not going to pay me back?" So. I'll sell some stuff. <laughs> and Matt will go, well, don't worry about it. I use Brad's bitter number. So uh, no big deal. Well, I, I, you I, might get a I text from me later just saying, you owe me a bunch of money. I've raised my paddle. You owe me a bunch of money. You better get over here. <laughs> uh, I, I will be watching my phone. I will watch my phone. Because I told Dad the other day, I said, you know, Papa, this thing goes for a hundred grand. you know, the, the way it did the last time. Because I, I remember it went for just over a hundred. I said, you know, you should just buy a pack and keep in the collection because I have memories of my Uncle Bucky, my late Uncle Bucky, who I have his Norton and stuff and the Mini. Uh, I, I have memories of him of going to the warehouse, and my Uncle Bucky restored much of that car himself. And he was black, head to toe, he was black because he was polishing those wheels by hand. And uh, and all the stuff that was blemished, Dad took off that car, and I put it on my 66 Mustang I had at the time. Anything that would fit or that I could modify a little bit to fit, I put on that car. And uh, and so I had some of those parts of my car. So it's got a good story from the family and dad got the motor from Lee. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's like it's a pretty special car. And, and if it's just out there passing hands, I think this is the third time it's been resold. Uh, you know, I think it should come back to the family, you know. But dad's like, ah, I can't drive it. I'm not going to drive it. I'm 70. And I'm like, yeah, but it needs to be in a collection, you know. He's, he's not into, like, the collection. He's into... These are cars I drive. If I don't drive them, they're gone. There's nothing and, wrong uh, with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So. But, yeah, hey. But, but this is exception. You know, this this and this old Trans Am, I think, are two exceptions, you know? Well, the Trans Am, I can agree with, definitely. Well, and this one was in a video, too, because that's how we promoted it. So, um, hey. Yeah. But we're running out of time, guys, and I know that uh, Motorator is chomping at the bit to talk about Fox bodies. But before we do, before we do, I want to bring up two cars that I saw are are over at RM, and one of them is just a badass car. And I know Matt saw it. Was that '86 RS 2000 Evolution that Ford Rally car? Yeah, yeah. Matt, how did it look in person? I saw you posted a photo, and I love that car. I'm sorry, the, the RS 200. Yeah, the the Evolution Ford uh-huh. Rally car. Yeah, very cool car. I think um, uh, I think it it sold for four hundred something thousand, four fifty. Really? Or maybe it was a no sale at like four fifty, but. Uh, uh, I, I dig those cars. Oh, it's cool, yeah. In the back. So it, it's interesting because I RM has the rally car, and then they also have the street car. The street car is a little less expensive. I want to say, I don't know, the rally car is like four to 500000 or four, 450 to five hundred, And the street car is like 100000 less, three fifty to whatever. But the street car is... Only a handful, like 120, are homologated for the street. Yeah. They um, obviously don't have the racing history, but they're pretty cool in their own right. Um, so uh, uh, I, I dig those cars. I got up on both of those cars. Um, they're they're a lot of fun. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm curious to go back and check, you know, check online and see what they sold for. I'm pretty sure I saw the uh, the rally car go, but... Um, 
Right, it was just cool like, when uh, I saw it. Yeah. But the one that I really questioned over at RM was they had a seventy Cuda, four twenty six Hemi car. It was red. It was black interior. I mean, everything right about it. Nineteen thousand original miles documented. Had all the document, all the documentation with it, and they had an estimate of two to two fifty. Now, that car, not that long ago, remember when the Hemi cars were a million dollars? And if it was a convertible Hemi, it was like stratospheric. And I mean, you know, if you yeah. had a, a red Hemi Cuda with 19,000 original miles, you were a millionaire. And now 200 to 250, those things have dropped like rocks. Yeah, they have. Um, but. Muscle cars are starting to pick up a little bit. Um, nowhere near those stratos- the, the stratosphere kind of a prices, but they're starting to move a little bit now, uh, which is which is interesting. But they've got a long way to go to get back to where they were. If you bought a Hemi at the top in the 90s, or even the early 2000s, mid-2000s, you definitely got a long ways to go before you're going to get your money back out of that car. So I think a lot of those are going to stay in collections for many, many years. But what's going into collections now, it seems like it's Fox Bodies, Matt. (laughs) Yes, let me just... Fox Body, hashtag Fox Body Boy. That was pretty special, though. That was pretty special, let me uh, let me just clarify real quick on the uh, on the RS two hundred Evolution. Yes, um, the rally car version, which I thought was very cool. The estimate was actually five hundred to seven hundred thousand. Oh wow! It was a no sale. The high bid was four hundred and thirty five thousand um, dollars. So wow. it didn't it did not sell. Cool car, very cool car. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. But it ain't no um, Cobra Mustang Fox body, okay? <laughs> uh, you know, look, in, in the world of Fox bodies, um, it was it was very exciting to see the uh, the ninety three Cobra R model sell. And um uh it it as for recording this it all just pretty much happened, so I'm gonna get some information on it. But I went and took some photos of the car, saw the car um, obviously very cool. Still all wrapped in plastic, 551 miles on it. And, you know, it's, it's again, it's like, it, it, you know, for, for us, it, you know, like what your dad is saying, uh, Aaron, is can you drive it? No, that has to go into a car collection of 30, 40, or 100 other cars because you can never drive it. It's wrapped in plastic, yeah. 551 miles. So you have to really be a collector for it. You know, you can't really do much with it. Um, so it's kind of a, an interesting, you know, if you had one with 1,700 miles on it, if you put 200 miles on it, there's probably not much difference between having a car with 1,700 or 1,900 or 1,700 and 2,200. It's probably not that much of a difference. But 551, it, it is what it is. So anyway, it's a very, it's a very cool car. I guess two people got very excited with the bidding on this thing. The hammer price is about 120,000. Um, uh, all in, it sold for a world record $132,000. And, Ooh. uh, last night, um, well, last night, uh, I got a message from the guy who bought it. 
And so I'm trying to uh, exchange some messages and get back uh, with him to see if we can meet up over at the car and I can get a chance to talk to him. And if I do, I'll definitely give you guys a Matt, I already talked. I spoke with him this morning. And the reason he wants to get a hold of you is because uh, apparently he is one of the most noted Chevrolet dealers in America. And he is doing a charity thing with this car where you can come hit it with a sledgehammer on the 4th of July. <laughs> that would be funny. Would you know, be can funny. you imagine the people? They'd be freaking out. Funny. <laughs> no. You know, it's funny because you mentioned you mentioned dealer and the the record for the Toyota Super was like on bring a trailer. Somebody bought a Toyota Super for one hundred twenty one thousand dollars. Well, a dealer bought it, and now it's in their showroom with a sticker of five hundred thousand. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah. well, but but no, it was uh, it was. It, I mean, that thing had the chalk marks, like you said, the plastic. But the guy who sold that, he brought quite a few of them. And what's amazing is, wasn't it just two years ago when we were there that there was a bunch of Fox Body Mustangs? I took a picture of you standing amongst them all. <laughs> yeah. I think the Seven Up car that sold for a record at the time, I think, might be back. If not, there's another one there. Okay, um, so I wondered if that was the same video. one, the green one with the white yeah, top. Yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to. I got to go back and check the notes on it to see if it was the same one. But, um, but uh, that was there as well. And yeah, it seems like there's a row of Fox bodies every year, and it's interesting because. Uh, we see these one-off anom- anomaly cars. We see the Acura Integra went to like Bear Jackson Vegas and got like sixty grand, and then um, uh, there was like a Honda F two thousand. I don't know the price, but I want to say it was like forty thousand dollars that just sold somewhere. And that's one time. Now you have to repeat that a couple times before you can start claiming the money. And and yeah, some of these box bodies are starting to get get there. We've seen a few cars going out. As soon as that Cobra R sold for 132, uh, a buddy of mine in Kansas City, who actually works at Pro Charter, Super Chargers, um, he's got one that uh, I know he's been um, putting out there to sell, but he never put a price on it, so the price popped up. He wants 105000 <laughs> Yeah, And he's got a Cobra R a 93 Cobra R with, like, 1,700 miles. Um, wow. Uh, well, it, you know what? It's so like... I, I was going to say, it's like all the collector cars. It's era. It's what guys grew up with and wanted. I mean, why do you love those cars? Because when you were growing up, it was like, oh, my God, if I could have one of those. But now guys are making money, and they can afford the cars they always wanted, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, Matt, what else have you seen out there that, uh, you know, uh, before we wrap it up, uh, that you think uh, is really going to pull a lot of money or just really outrageous, or what have you seen so far? Well, there's there's some interesting cars that we've, you know, we've, we've got our eye on just to see what it does. There's a Lamborghini 400 GT at Gooding. Um, it's not good at all. It's in terrible condition, but being that... Uh, uh, we just sold some Lamborghinis recently. Um, you know, now we're curious to see what that car does. Uh, mm-hmm. 
but there's some there's some cool stuff around there. Um, after seeing the uh, the 288 GTO at Gooding, I'm um, sorry, at RM sell for 3.36 million. I'm curious to the one at Gooding what that goes for because I would argue that that's a major car, um, and I don't think the estimate was that high. I think those cars are are beating the estimate, but we'll we'll see how those go. Um, and there's gonna be some more fun stuff. There's a Tucker. Uh, there's a beautiful Tucker at uh, at RM as well, and we'll see how that does. Um, I was a little disappointed that the Jaguar, the XJ220, did not sell at RM. Oh, it did. The high bid was about three hundred. <clears throat> yeah, I think the high bid was about three hundred seventy-five thousand. Um, I think they were looking for somewhere in the four to five hundred range for it, but they just missed the mark. But you know, this is a car that I've been a fan of for years. And back when this car was two hundred thousand bucks, I was saying. You know, um, don't underestimate this car. Uh, it wasn't a successful supercar because it had a twin turbo V6. And now that we have four GTs and everybody's doing V6, uh, you know, fast cars with V6 engines in them, um, that XJ220 is starting to get attention again. And interesting information is the master of the XJ220 is a guy named Don Law. He's in, he's in the UK. He's the guy that restored one of our Newman cars while we out there and did the uh, Goodwood Hill climb in the Newman car. And um, he's sort of the Bruce Tennepot of England, but his specialty is not Porsches. <clears throat> his specialty is Jaguars. And any racing version of the XJ220, he's had his hands on. He's, he's campaigned the teams and, and built factory cars and all that stuff. Anyway, this uh, XJ220 that did not sell at RM was a car that was fully gone through and maintained by Don Law. So uh, I'm surprised that his name didn't help bring the extra money to that car because I would say without a doubt uh, uh, having a Don Law XJ220 um, uh, is going to be a top-notch car. It was interesting because I saw the car. I was like, this is a really nice XJ220. And then I read that it was, uh, Don Law did the work on it. Um, so interesting, uh, yeah, interesting. Well, hey, for sure. Um, we got to wrap got, this episode up. Coming up, um, Aaron wanted me yeah. to ask you: Have you seen any Pinsgowers before we go? Yeah, I did not. <laughs> I did not see any any Pinsgowers, but I'm out here with our buddy Ice Sullivan. He's been on our show a few times. His dad and those are a couple of big boys from. Uh, from Texas, and and they're they're jonesing for some kind of crazy off road truck. They're looking at Hummers, like original uh, Humvee and H ones and stuff. So um, they've been dragging me around. I've been looking at a lot of those things, and uh, we're actually flying hey, out of town next weekend to go check one out. Cool. Well, now in, in all in all seriousness, in all seriousness, uh, I know where Rod Hall's old race car is. I think he won like thirty five, forty grand for it. It's a nice truck. It's all been redone, and uh, it, it's a full race body truck, and it, it, it's an H1. It's got a race history and everything, and then his son uh, uh, raced it. So it's it's for sale. It's orange and sand color and white. It's it's a beautiful truck. So if, if you guys are serious, let me know, and I'll give you the listing. Cool. Hey, everybody. <laughs> um, yes. What? I'm waiting. I was going to say, you, you, you say H1 race truck, and I imagine the slowest race yeah. in the world. I know. I was thinking the same thing I was <laughs> no, thinking. No, yeah. no. Uh, Rod, my friend, no, no, the, the, the Halls and the Winkles race those trucks for forever, and they're they're not slow at all. You're thinking of the Humvee version. 
but the race version is it's uh, it's fast. Yeah, the Humvee version is very fast. yeah. <laughs> the race version has just got a body over a chassis with a you know it's a, but uh, hey everybody. I want to say thanks to our sponsor, Geico. Be sure you go to geico.com and, uh, and you know, tell them that uh, Shift and Steer sent you. And also, I want to tell you, as you gear up for the biggest game in the season, the uh, – uh, oh, I can't say that, can I? Podcast One Sportsnet is teaming up with the Underdog Network to be your one-stop shop for all things football. Uh, tune into the Underdog Sports NFL show to analyze the best plays of the postseason or the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour to create the perfect lineup before the best teams in the league duke it out uh, in Atlanta uh, on February the 3rd. Check out all the wonderful shows on the Underdog Network every week on the podcast, One Sports Net, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Isn't that a coincidence that um, this show is going to talk about some big game on on the same day, February third, that they're having that big super um, that that super dish uh, in Atlanta? <laughs> you guys don't even know what I'm talking about, yeah. do you? Because we're car guys. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, yeah, we're car guys. Hey, <laughs> Matt, I'm sure you'll have more Fox bodies to tell us about and their net sales uh, when we talk next week. But for now, we're going to call it quits. Matt, where can they find us online? Yeah, check us out at shiftandsteer.com, and you can find us at Shiftsteer Media. And uh, we're all on social media, so you know where we are. Just Google us. Google Brad Fanshaw, Matt DeAndrea, or Aaron Hagar. And um, right after our top entries of our police records come in, you'll be able to find us. <laughs> so, hey, Matt, thanks for calling in from Scottsdale. Have fun over there. And uh, we're jealous thanks, that man. we're not there. Say hi to everyone for us. And uh, Aaron, stay warm up in the snow. Thank you. Yeah, I just cleared a couple feet. It's, uh, yeah. I, I think we got a little break now. <laughs> okay, everybody. Hey, uh, uh, real quick, yes. Uh, real quick, too. I'd like I'd like to mention that I need to start promoting this a little bit. Uh, I'm doing the classic car cruise as part of the classic car and, and celebrity, uh, a nice Caribbean cruise, March 2nd through the 9th. We still have a couple spots available. It's going to be with Tim Strange, Von Hot Rod, and myself. At the classic eighth annual classic car cruise, March 2nd through 9th. You can find it online. Uh, through classiccarcruise.com. And, uh, yeah, if you don't mind, check that out if you're interested in getting out of the snow. <laughs> it's not like a cruise night. It's like a Caribbean cruise. No, no, it, it, it yeah, full, it's a full, um, And you're doing what, like a, like a, like a uh, nightclub act on there? Cruise. You're doing like a nightclub Yeah, thing? yeah. <laughs> I'll be lounge singing in the there lower we lounge go. of the bar so, room. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it, it's really fun, actually. It's, appearing it's, uh, in the Caribbean cool. room is Aaron Hagar. <laughs> So, and the and the hot rodettes, Aaron Hagar and the rodettes. So cool, cool, good for you, man. Thanks, guys. All right, everybody. Another edition of Shift and Steers behind you in your rearview mirror, and uh, we'll be back next week. If you like this show? Also, listen to Man Seeks Adventure and Dixon's Wild Ride. You can find Man Seeks Adventure at manseeksadventure.com. 